welcome to the Palmwood Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Palmwood Church in Oviedo, Florida, where we love God extravagantly, love people with humility, and mentor others to do the same. Here's Pastor John with an introduction for this week's message. Thanks, David. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Palmwood Podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm getting to where I feel my age more often than not. This old body is showing its wear and tear, but I've got hope. One day, I'll have a new body, one that's a new kind of humanity, just like Jesus' resurrection body, a body that won't get sick anymore, a body that never dies, a body that doesn't age and doesn't ache. Can I get an amen? And that's the topic we're discussing on today's episode of the podcast. We're continuing our study, Know What You Believe, based upon the framework of the Apostles' Creed. And today, we look at the stanza, I believe in the resurrection of the body. It's not only a non-negotiable of our Christian faith, it's also good news of great hope. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 through 58, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Paul writes, So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, a living spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. After that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Keep in mind that our citizenship as believers in Jesus Christ is in heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, talking about death, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling or the blinking of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Listen, friends, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
You see, friends, we understand that because we know our future, because we know death has no ultimate victory over us, because we know we will be changed and, and we'll have resurrection bodies, which is what we're going to talk about today in the message, we have incredible hope, incredible hope. We are coming near the end of this very long series, Know What You Believe, based upon the Apostles' Creed. I hope that it's been a blessing to you as we've really taken some time to think through each of the major non-negotiables of the Christian faith. Um, as we do that, we've, we're going to talk today about, uh, I believe, in the resurrection of the body. Next week, we're going to talk about the life everlasting. And then we have one final wrap-up sermon bringing it all together where we are going to talk about giving an answer for the hope we have because of this faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And if ever there is a message that talks about the hope we should have, it is this one. And that's why Paul tells the Corinthians, stand firm, be immovable, encourage one another with these words because we know this is not the end of the story. While driving last week, I saw a bumper sticker on a car. Uh, it's one I've actually seen before, but it was a good reminder as I was preparing for this message. The bumper sticker said, eternity, colon, smoking or non-smoking. <laughs> and the, the, uh, the sediment there is really an important one that a lot of people don't think about, and that is everybody lives forever. Everybody. Everybody lives forever. Uh, Daniel in his prophecy, Jesus in his teaching, the Apostle John as he writes in Revelation, and there's hints of it in the letters of Paul as well, they talk about two different resurrections. A resurrection for those that are saved, for those that have surrendered to King Jesus, that is unto eternal life, unto glory, as we sang today, glory to glory to glory. And then for those that are not saved, for those that have not accepted Jesus, for those that have rejected God's offer, there is also a resurrection, a resurrection unto condemnation, a resurrection unto what we call damnation, the eternal absence of God that is in a place of great suffering and punishment. There is some kind of physical reality even for those who reject Jesus as their Savior. And Jesus kind of hints at this as he talks about hell. He says it's a place where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. This, this thought that there really is agony, there really is suffering in this place. So there's some kind of a physical body that even those who are condemned will have. Those with faith in Jesus Christ, though, are transformed into glory. It's wonderful news. We, we have a glorified heavenly body. And Jesus' post-resurrection body gives us a glimpse at what our bodies are going to look like. Listen, when we know we have a glorious future with God, when, when we know that we, we will stand before our heavenly Father completely forgiven, completely redeemed as His beloved sons and daughters, 
when we know that all the restrictions of this life, all the oppressions of this life, all of the ailments of this life will be gone one day and we will live forever in a pain-free, oppression-free body, that gives us hope. Gives us wonderful hope. Today's stanza in the Apostles' Creed is, I believe in the resurrection of the body, and we're going to talk about what that means. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, thank you for the illustration of the butterfly. And thank you that even in some small way we can communicate to the youngest of children that there is a glorious change coming that makes us more beautiful than we've ever been, more glorified. Father, I would pray today you would help me to be your instrument to convey the biblical truth that I need to convey and that you would anoint your children, those that are here in the room with me today and and those that are still at home, those that are watching from far away, and even those that will watch later on in the media ministry, watch this video. Anoint them for understanding that they might not just hear, but they can actually understand and apply the great news we will learn today. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, as John writes his letter to the church, uh, he gives us some really cool news. He says that when Jesus comes back, we're going to recognize him, we're going to see him as he is, and here's part of the, that, that statement, for we will be like him. Folks, isn't that good news? We're going to be like Jesus. So I think if we're going to talk about our resurrection bodies, because we're going to be like him, it's probably important to start off with the prototype, right? To talk about Jesus' resurrection body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul tells us that Jesus' resurrection body is the first fruits of a new kind redeemed human life. Paul writes, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's a, a poetic way of saying those who've, who've died, who've passed away. Two, two verses or three verses later, he says, but each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. You see, Christ is the first fruits. We really need to understand what Paul means when he talks about first fruits. This is a, an idea that comes from the Old Covenant. It comes from the Old Testament. Um, First fruits are uh, those first uh, parts of the crop, the first harvest of the crop, the, the first of the livestock that were the, the youngest, the first, and the best. And as God was laying out in the Old Testament the sacrificial process by which man could be redeemed under the Old Covenant with him, under Moses, under Abraham, under Moses, and those, the the first fruits were to be God's first fruits. Paul here says Jesus is the first fruits when it comes to the resurrection. His audience, who was mostly Jewish in this case, would automatically understand what that means. But we don't here in 2020 America, we don't always understand that. So think of it this way. First fruits are the first and the best. That's, that's the, the easiest definition that I could give you. The first and the best. Now let's go back to what Paul says about Jesus. He says, each in his own turn, 
Christ, talking about the resurrection now, the first fruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. You and I can have great hope and can, can have great um, joy and relief, frankly, that he is the first fruits, the first and the best, but that means more is coming. There's, there's more of a harvest behind that, and that's us who are in Christ Jesus. Here's the idea. We are told that Jesus was made perfect. He's the first fruits, but we will come in in his wake, in his train, behind him, so we also will be made perfect. That which right now is imperfect in us will be transformed and made perfect. Jesus was no longer subject to weakness, so will we be no longer subject to weakness. Jesus was no longer subject to aging or death in his particular case. He could live eternally as the first fruits that shows us that we also will be free from aging and death. There is coming a time when we will no longer age, we'll no longer be moving toward uh, decay. We will live eternally. Jesus was no longer subject to the limitations of time and space. We're going to talk about that today. So also we will be free from the limitations of time and space. We're going to talk about this idea of first fruits again in just a moment. But the idea here is that Jesus' resurrection body was the first and the best, the first fruits of a new existence for humanity. And all those who are in Christ Jesus are following him into that new existence. The second thing that we learn is that Jesus' resurrection body was indeed a physical body. This is important because there have been heresies down through the ages of the church that have taught that Jesus' resurrection body was only ghostly, it was only spiritual, that there, there really is not a physical resurrection body. Notice in the Apostles' Creed, the creedal statement is, I believe in the resurrection of the body. That's important because Jesus had a physical body. We are told that some took hold of his feet. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 9, as the women went to the tomb in order to, um, to prepare his body for burial, and they found the tomb empty, as they turn around, there's Jesus standing in the garden, and the first thing they do, I, I'm sure, in part of it, it was probably shock. <laughs> In part of it, it was awe, and in part, it's probably worship. The first thing they do is they, they fall flat and they grasp his feet. They hold on to his feet. So much so that at one point, Jesus has to tell Mary, stop holding on to me. I need to go to my brothers. And so they're, they're holding on to his feet. Well, he had to have physical feet to hold on to if they're holding on to his feet. The second thing that we know in several places, is that Jesus sat down and ate with his disciples on several different occasions. Uh, in Luke 24, verse 30, the men on the road to Emmaus, you know, they were kept from noticing who he was. We'll talk about that in a moment. But when he sat down with them and he broke bread with them, all of a sudden their eyes were opened and they recognized who he was. He ate with them and then he was gone. Or later on in Luke 24, verse 42, he appears with all the disciples there in the upper room, and he says, have you got something to eat? And, and so they fix him some broiled fish, and the scripture actually says, Luke actually reports there, he ate it right in front of them. They could see that he was actually physically eating, gaining nourishment. Or John 21, verses 12 and 13, 
Jesus himself fixes breakfast on the beach for Peter and the other apostles. Uh, Jesus also showed them that he had flesh and bones. In Luke 24, verse 39, when Jesus all of a sudden appears there in the upper room, uh, they know who he is, but they think they're seeing a ghost. They're terrified. And he says, calm down, be at peace. I'm not a ghost. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So even though he appeared miraculously there before them, he appeared with a completely physical body, flesh and bones. Jesus' resurrection body also was recognizably Jesus. They knew it was him. Now, we talked about the the guys on the road to Emmaus. In that particular case, the scripture tells us they were kept from recognizing him. It isn't that they wouldn't have. It's that for the, the purposes of that experience, he did something to kind of blind their eyes. Um, <coughs> pardon me. But then when he sat down and, and ate with them, they were, uh, they were able to see who he was. Mary Magdalene in the garden. It took her a minute. When, when he first showed up, she was not expecting to see Jesus. And so she assumed that it was the gardener, and she asks, where have they taken his body? But as soon as he speaks, his voice is familiar to her, and she knows who it is immediately. And then in all of the other New Testament appearances of the resurrected Jesus, everybody knew exactly who he was. Matthew 28, verse 9, Matthew 28, 17, Luke 24, 33, and verse 37, John 20, 19, and 20, John 20, 26 through 18, John 21, 7, John 21, 12. In every one of these cases, they knew who it was. Fourth, interestingly, Jesus' resurrection body still bore the scars of the resurrection. I mean, of the crucifixion. He showed the disciples his hands and his side. They were struggling to know it was him, and so he offers that to them. Of course, one of the disciples is missing at the time that that takes place, and he became famous to be the doubter. That's doubting Thomas. When Thomas comes back, the next time Jesus is there, uh, Thomas famously had said, I, I won't believe that it was really Jesus unless I put my fingers in the holes in his hands and his wrists and I, I touch the, the hole in his side from the spear with my own hand. And so what does Jesus do when he comes back and Thomas is among them? He says, ah, uh, Tom, come here. <laughs> Put your finger right there. Here, t- touch this place in my side. And, of course, Thomas drops to his feet and he says, my Lord and my God. And I love Jesus' gentle rebuke. And it's really a rebuke to all of us. He says, you believe because you saw. Blessed are those who have not seen, and they still believe. And that's a really good word for all of us who have not seen the physical Jesus in our lifetime. We will, but we haven't, and yet we still believe. Jesus' resurrection body bore the scars of the crucifixion. Finally, and and I want to be very careful here, we do not fully understand the full breadth and ramifications of what I'm about to say. And, and please understand that that's, that's recognized. But Jesus' resurrection body somehow was not subject to the limits of this creation. That's, that's kind of cool for me because it means that our resurrection bodies will be the same. But Jesus was able to appear and disappear suddenly. Locked doors were nothing for him. Um, 
You know, we were in Israel back in 2010, and as we stood on the Mount of Olives looking back toward the Temple Mount, um, I've got a photograph of this if any of you would ever like to see it. As you look at the Temple Mount, the eastern gate is right there facing the Mount of Olives. And the Muslims um, apparently have great faith that Jesus is going to make good on his word and come back because in fear, they have totally blocked up the eastern gate and they've put an entire graveyard surrounding the gate because, number one, they, they know that Jesus is supposed to return from the east and he'll come back into the temple. But they also know that Jesus, being a priest, would be unclean if he walked through a graveyard. And so they think that's going to prevent Jesus from, from coming back. Not true. Because in his resurrection body, all the limitations of things in this world, they mean nothing. The disciples were gathered together in the upper room and they had the door locked because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders and what they might do. And Jesus appeared and was right there with them, right there among them. And it seems that we also will have bodies that are not subject to space and time. We have a lot to figure out on that, but we'll get all eternity to play with it (laughs) once we arrive. It's important for us to know what Jesus' resurrection body is like because the Apostle John tells us that when Jesus returns, we will be like him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Second of all, the Apostle Paul tells the Christians at Rome that we eagerly await the redemption of our bodies. There's, there's something about to happen that's going to fully redeem our physical existence. We will be changed. And then Paul tells the Philippians that our citizenship is actually not on earth, but is in heaven, and we await the time when Jesus, having put all things under his control, will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. So a time is coming when we will be transformed. So let's talk about our resurrection bodies. The Bible has quite a bit to say. In addition to everything we've already talked about, there is some more information we can glean from our scripture passage today, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First of all, Jesus' resurrection ensures our promised resurrection. We've hinted at this already, but in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 14, Paul tells us plainly, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. For those of us that are in Christ Jesus. Now, I told you, there's two resurrections. Everybody is going to be resurrected. But for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, this is profoundly good news. It means that we can trust if Jesus overcame the grave, you and I are also going to overcome the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, our passage today, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. That whole idea of first fruits tells us there's more of a harvest coming. What is it that Jesus uh, uses as an illustration during his earthly ministry to tell his disciples there's a lot of people that need to be reached so they can be swept up in his train. He calls them 
the harvest, right? He says to the disciples, the fields are white for the harvest, but the laborers are few. We are part of that harvest. He's the first fruits, but we follow in his wake. Second of all, our resurrection bodies will be transformed from death and decay to living forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and following. Listen, Paul says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, think about a lightning flash. There was some of that last night. Just that flash of lightning. That's how fast it's going to happen. In the twinkling of an eye, literally it means the blinking of an eye. You ever watch somebody blink their eyes? How fast that is. That's how fast it's going to take place at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable (coughs) must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Friends, think about this. Our resurrection bodies are going to be transformed from a body that is dying. Let that sink in for a minute because that's true for all of us. What's the saying? There's two things nobody can escape, right? Death and taxes. Pretty well true. (laughs) We're all going to have to die. Unless Jesus comes back, then those of us that are lucky to be around when he actually comes back on the clouds will be lifted up with him. But other than that, everybody is going to pass through the gates of death. But our, our resurrection bodies will never die. So death really has no victory over us. The next thing we learn is that our resurrection bodies will be transformed from brokenness and dishonor to glory, brokenness and dishonor it means no more sin to entangle us. How many of us have been entangled with or caught up in sin? I, you know, I've, I've been a pastor long enough to know that everybody has got that at least that one stupid thing they just can't seem to shake. That one sin that keeps undermining them. We think we've got it overcome and then something happens and it brings it back again. But there's coming a day, friends, in our resurrection bodies when there are no sin entanglements anymore. That which has, has relegated our body to dishonor is gone. It's dealt with. There is no more brokenness. There is no more illness. There is no more injury. Our resurrection bodies can't get sick. Our resurrection bodies can't be hurt. They can't be injured forever. This is incredible. We are, we are free to be everything that God has intended us to be. We are free to live out our full creation destiny that God intended for every single one of us from the beginning. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by our God for a purpose. Now, some of us, it's possible we never really get to that purpose because there's so much garbage in this life that just entangles us and weighs us down and and, and disrupts our lives. That's why we need Jesus. But there is coming a day for those of us that are in Christ when all of that is removed. And in our resurrection bodies, we are free to be everything that God has created us and called us to be. 
Listen to how Paul describes the bride of Christ, that's you and me, in Ephesians chapter 5. He calls us radiant. What a word. We are radiant. He calls us without stain or wrinkle. You know, I'm almost 56 years old, and I didn't used to think much about wrinkles. I don't really care about them a whole lot now, but I sure do notice them a whole lot more. Without any other blemish, holy and blameless. That's what we are in our resurrection bodies. Our resurrection bodies will be transformed from weakness into strength. No more sickness, no more weakness, no more tiredness. You know, I, I kidded around a little bit with the, the, the kids when we did the children's sermon that, you know, as you get older, your bodies ache a little bit. Can I get a witness from anybody else in the room? Is that, is that true? Yeah. We should turn the camera back on and show them. But anyway, don't, don't do it. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> but this, this idea of no more sickness, no more weakness, no more being tired, no more just being worn out, it's all gone. We are fully alive in our resurrection bodies as God intended. Paul says that this, this body, this natural body that we have, it's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. Sown really being a reference to being put in the ground when we die. It is sown like a seed. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. And if there is a spiritual body, or if there is a natural body, there also is a spiritual body. It's a glorified body. It's a wonderful body. The Apostle John says it's just like Jesus' resurrected body. That's what we have to look forward to. And finally, our resurrection bodies will be transformed from natural bodies to spiritual bodies. No more earthly limitations. If Jesus' resurrection body is any indication, our bodies also will be everything that his is, including this thing that we don't fully understand about being free from the limitations of time and space in this worldly existence. But there's more. Because if you take these last two points together, you begin to see the wondrous realities that Jesus tells us about as we near the end of Revelation. Listen to these words from Revelation 21, verse 4. He, that is Jesus, will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. No crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. All of these things, friends, all of these things are wrapped up in our understanding of the resurrection body. I believe in the resurrection of the body. How about you? The hope that we have as Christians is strengthened greatly by our understanding of the resurrection. Not just Jesus' resurrection, but our resurrection. That Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits. He's the first and the best, but all the rest of us come by the harvest in his wake. And that guarantees for all believers that we too will be resurrected. That like Jesus, we have bodies that are physical bodies, recognizably us. So when we all get there, guess what? I'll know Peg, and I'll know Rick, and I'll know Anil, 
and I'll know Gail, I'll know my family, I'll know my friends, and they'll know me. When we get there, we'll all be recognizable, and yet we will be transformed in all kinds of ways. We will never again have to worry about death. We will never again have to worry about weakness and, and decay. All the garbage we have to deal with in this life, the consequences of sin, brokenness, anxiety, dishonor, cancer, doesn't matter what it is, because in the transformation, it's all transformed into glory. The resurrection brings us all to a state of glory. We're free from weakness, and we move to strength. We will be among the glorious resurrected saints from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language from all time. Can you agree with me that these truths are important to our Christian faith? Let's pray together. Jesus, I have to admit, I cannot fathom what this is going to be like. I read these words in Scripture. I hear them from other pastors and commentaries. I believe them to be true, but I have no frame of reference in my weakness and in my dishonor. It's, it's a dream. And I'm sure that there are others who feel the same way. Jesus, for someone like me that that wrestles with anxiety, to be free from that in my resurrection body is more than I can, I can dream of, that I can, I can comprehend. For those in our midst, Lord, that, that have uh, a few more years on them and their bodies just simply don't function the way that they used to function in that weakness and that stiffness and all the things that come with age, Lord, for us to know there's coming a day when all that's gone and we are free. Jesus. For those that, that are dealing with breathing problems or, or tumors or, or other things, Lord, that are, are illnesses and impacts of sin in this life, to know that we were going, we're going to be free. We're going to be free from all those things in our resurrected bodies. What joy and what hope that gives us. And so for now, as we look forward to those days, Lord, for my part, I invoke the words of what we call the Lord's Prayer. May it be right here on earth, right now, as it already is in heaven. And may we as your kingdom people begin to experience, Lord, even if it's just glimpses and tastes, the freedom from illness, the freedom from anxiety, the freedom from age and, and weakness so that we can put on display the glorious future that belongs to those who surrender to Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Palmwood Podcast. If you'd like more information about Palmwood Church and its ministry, see our website at palmwoodchurch.com. Have a blessed day.